Good morning, good morning, good morning. We greet you with Jesus' joy as we prepare to worship our God on the third Sunday of November. God is great and greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. I am excited, elated, and delighted about what God is going to do on this day and at this moment. So I want you to, I see our virtual uh, congregation that is joining us online. I want to wave at you for those that are watching us on Facebook or YouTube or Vimeo. I want to give a shout out to you all. I want you to do me a favor. Before we get started, our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you on all our various platforms. So if you're watching us on Facebook, share with your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. Want to make sure we all stay in the same chat stream and you can tag those whom you want to invite to check out your posts. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, then text the link of this worship experience to your personal network. We want to get our YouTube subscribers up to at least a thousand subscribers before this year is out. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on that invite button in your chat room and share this experience with others. Amen. I am excited and I'm ready to invite um, my co-laborer, the Reverend James A. Bernie. He's going to come. He's going to lead us in our worship experience. So if you could put your hands together, let's give God praise as we prepare to worship our God in spirit and in truth. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. For I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Wherever you are right now, can you put your hands together for the Lord? Come on, can we shout out to the Lord? Can we give him praise? Can we allow the Lord to enter wherever we are right now? Whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're in your living room, wherever you are, the Lord is worthy to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. God is worthy of our praise and we've come to celebrate him we've come to give him glory we come to worship a risen savior put your hands together and give god praise in this place join in with our choir as we sing we're marching to zion
Amen, amen, amen. So I look in our chat room, can you just tell us what city and what state you're watching us from? Let us know what city and what state you are watching us from. Our scripture this morning uh, is coming out of 1 Peter, the second chapter, and we begin at verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And it reads, come to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone with which the builder rejected has become the chief st- cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a stone of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The word of God for the people of God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we are grateful this morning. Father, that you allowed us to be here in this place. God, we thank you, Lord, for how you have kept us all week long, God. For, Lord, when we reflect back over what we could have been this week, God, we we thank you, God, because you spared us one more time. Lord, we just ask right now, God, wherever we are, God, that you will move in our spirits, God. God, that you will touch us, God, that you will help us, God, to enter into your presence, God. Lord, we invite you, God, to have your way, God, with us this morning, God. Do what you need to do, God. God, mold us, shape us, God. Free us, God, that we may truly worship you, God. In spite of what it looks like in our situation, God, we know that you are God. And besides you, there is none other. So, Lord, do what you do best, God. Have your way, God. Shake us, God. Wake us up, God. Have us to truly enter into the sanctuary, God, where we know there is peace, God, where we know there is love, God, where we know, God, that we can cast all our cares upon you, God, knowing that you will work it out. So, Lord, we thank you for what you would do. Manifest yourself within us this morning, God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen, and amen.
worship him can you give him praise at this time can you give him praise normally at this time a minister for our children and youth Reverend Peyton C would come and give us an impact moment however I want our church family to lift him and his family up in prayer at this time as his grandmother isn't doing too well uh, up in Virginia and so um he wanted to go and spend this time with her. And of course, I gave him leave to go ahead and, and do that. He was going to try to come in today to do the impact moment and then head up. And I said, no, go be with your family. Um, uh, go be with your family. We all know, particularly for those that are uh, that have children, we all know the energy and the strength that he puts as far as that ministry is concerned. And I'm appreciative of all that he does to empower and enrich the children and youth here at St. Paul. So we want to pray for him. But at this time, I'm going to ask that our minister of community engagement, Reverend Bernie, will come. We're going to show you a montage of just an absolute incredible mission effort that was done yesterday. And he's going to talk us through that as we get ready to put up uh, this collage of pictures about what our young adult ministry and i want you all to just put your hands together give god praise as well as what you all what we all have done as far as a thanksgiving giveaway reverend bernie would you come yesterday was a phenomenal day through the saints at St. Paul, you really showed yourself mightily in the lives of the people that will be impacted by your generosity. Uh, we had um, close to 200 families that will be impacted by the Thanksgiving uh, goods that was given. In addition, we had uh, an outpouring of resources that was given in the forms of socks, blankets, uh, toboggans, and those things that would keep those that are less fortunate warm. Uh, when I said there were so many gifts that was given, it really showed the love that St. Paul has and cares for those that are uh, less fortunate. And for that, we want to celebrate you. We want to thank you. We want to applaud what God has done through you to those that are being impacted by all the different things that 
that were given yesterday. We had our deacons ministry that was also out there that was giving away the communion uh, elements to you and, and, and you were there and we got a chance to see you, to wave at you, to say hello, hadn't seen you in a while. Uh, we had our um, Sunday morning live that was there and was passing out books to make sure that you had the things that was necessary to equip you to learn more about what God's purpose and God's word is in your life. We even had our CEO that was out there on the corner here uh, that was there and they was there to celebrate those new members that had joined uh, our congregation and we just had a great time on yesterday. The fellowship was great. The food pantry showed up and showed out in a phenomenal way. While we was collecting items in, they was in the gym assembling the bags and preparing everything. It was just phenomenal and for that we could not have done it had it not been for you, had it not been for the Lord touching your, your heart, tugging you to give. And for that, we are grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you did on yesterday. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Reverend Bernie, and thank each and every one of you who made some contribution, uh, whether it was financial, whether it was material, whether you um, took the time and effort to go to um, the store and pick up items. I will readily admit that we had so much going on yesterday that in uh, my staff meeting this past week, I was concerned that we would have uh, been putting to a lot of pressure and burden on the disciples and that it would have been mass confusion but because of our organizational capacity we were able to handle all the things I believe we had probably about six different ministries that were functioning yesterday on the streets and we thank God for great weather amen that allowed for all of that to come together um, uh, that could not have been done without great weather and because we're not in the sanctuary and because we have not been meeting in person with any sense of regularity and because of all the things that were going on, I had mentioned in staff meeting, I was a little concerned about how all of that was going to come together. But the Lord prevailed. And uh, for that, I am so appreciative. So again, to our food pantry where we served uh, 235 people on last week, thank you to Reverend Bernie. And all of those that assisted him uh, as far as the preparation we're getting ready to do to help out the Belmont neighborhood. Thank you, Reverend Bernie. To our young adult ministry, uh, Rev uh, Minister Jeffrey Stevenson and Sister Ashley Jones, uh, who provide uh, co-leadership, I want to thank you all for the initiative to help gather uh, gloves and socks and other items of warmth to help uh, people that are in shelters. I want to thank you all so much. And to the disciples of this great congregation, you all are just absolutely incredible. Thank you all. You do have the opportunity to give as well uh, as we continue to raise funds to provide food for those as far as the uh, neighborhood is concerned. And we are starting to receive funds for our Toys for Tots drive. And so I want to put that on your consciousness as well. Uh, I want to also thank Reverend Brenda Richardson 
uh, for the CEO graduation as well as the Sunday morning live pickup. So you were able to get your book as well as our deacon ministry for handing out the elements. Let me, if I could, I just want to um, uh, just talk about just for a few brief moments because I, I need to, to help you all to understand that again, 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 uh, many of you would love to come back in the sanctuary. Many of you would love to get back into church, but we just can't right now. We just can't right now. And if you look across the width and breadth of this land, unfortunately due to the ineptitude of what's happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, um, we just don't have the national leadership that will allow for us to handle this pandemic in the way it needs to be handled. Okay? So, so we can't. Now, I'm keenly aware that there are some churches that are meeting, but they're not the size of St. Paul. I'm keenly aware that there are some churches that are having mass meetings and folks are coming in and some wear masks, some don't. And in about a couple of weeks, you will hear that that was a super spreader. I'm keenly aware that somebody's even going around saying if you buy a shirt for $15 and you wear it, you will be COVID-free. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, uh, I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware some of y'all have been going to different churches because they do park and praise. My church, we're too big to do park and praise. I can't do that on the parking lot that we built 112 units for housing because we'll be violating noise ordinances. So I, we can't do what everybody else do based upon who we are and the size of our congregation. There's some stuff we can't do, but I can say we have been doing virtual church at a high level. We've been doing virtual church at a high level. There have been people who have been approaching the officers, trying to get them to tell me to open back up, and my officers are beginning to have my heart and my spirit, and they're rebuffing that. And for that, I'm greatly appreciative because guess what? Again, beloved, after your salvation, your safety and security, your safety and security is my greatest concern. When we're going to go back in, I don't know. I do know that we have a team put together where we're going to be discussing what that's going to look like whenever we do come back. And, but until then, uh, we're going to be in this mode for a little while, and particularly through these winter months. So, again, wear your mask, practice social distancing, physical distancing, Please, ma'am, and please, sir, continue to wash your hands and sanitize. Um, uh, we, st we have people who are part of our congregation who are catching COVID. Yeah, yeah. I can't go to the hospital and do pastoral care because of this pandemic. So we need you to help us to take care of you as well as others that you love. And again, we're not doing this out of spite. I want to see all of you all packed up in here. But until we get this thing under control and until there's a safe vaccine and until we can see the impact and the effects of that, uh, we're going to be at this for a while. We're one day closer to coming back in. When that's going to happen, I don't know. But I need you to help us because guess what? A sign of faith is not us testing God, but a sign of faith is us doing what we can do and letting God handle the rest. Do thy duty that is best and leave unto the Lord the rest. So continue to work with us as far as that's concerned. I, I also want to invite you to 
participate in our quick 15 as far as prayer meeting is concerned on Wednesday night. Check in at 8 o'clock. Fellowship with your brothers and sisters. I come on at about 8.15, give you a short devotional, and then we go to the Lord in prayer. And it's so wonderful to hear the voices of our various disciples who are on that call. Also, just want to let you all know that we are in Thankful Thursday, and we had to pull a... Um, what I call call an audible this past Thursday. We were supposed to have Reverend Danielle Brown, but my good brother, Dr. Otis Moss, had already shared a sermon, and we got that sermon. We played that sermon, and it was a rhema word for us. Amen. He is a very powerful preacher and a dear friend of mine, and I thank him. I talked to him last week, and I talked to him on Thursday night, and I was profusely appreciative of how uh, the word he had preached was so meaningful to us. Um, just want to let you all know that the toy drive, we're going to be um, starting that. And I believe, uh, Reverend Bernie, if I'm wrong, correct me, but registration will be taken outside of the gym Monday through Thursday. Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6, from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and then Saturday from 9 to 1 o'clock. Um, and so the toy drive registration, as well as receiving uh, those items, will be taking place at that time. This Wednesday is Kaya. This Wednesday is Kaya at 7 o'clock, uh, and we're going to be talking about good grief, good grief. And so we invite you to join us and to share as far as that is concerned. Uh, Marriage Ministry Couples Tune-Up is going to be hosted by uh, Lady Peer and me on December the 4th, 2020. At 7 o'clock, registration starts today. And so for our ministry marriage, as well as those who are engaged, you may join us on that platform. Go to our website and sign up. Amen. As we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, there are several concerns I want to present to you at this particular time. We want to continue to lift up the family of Sister Mary McBride. She's the sister of disciple Alice Howard. Her viewing is Friday, November the 20th. At 11 o'clock a.m., and the service will take place at noon at Alexander Funeral Home. Also, the family of Sister Rose L. Smith, the mother of Brother uh, Brian Smith, her services will be this Friday, November the 20th, at 11 o'clock a.m. at the Stewart Funeral Home in Washington, D.C., and the service will be at noon. We also want to lift up, as far as families that are dealing with grief and loss, the family of disciple uh, Lorraine Cooper, she's the sister of Geneva Walker, uh, Sadie Sturdivant, Willie Mae Millsaps, Lula Dreer, and Lizzie Meadows. Her services were here at the church this past Friday. The family of Sister Katie Jeter, the aunt of Sister Carolyn Martin, her services were was on Friday here in Charlotte. The family of Sister Ozena Hutchison, the sister of brother, disciple James Oat, her services were Thursday in Stratford, Connecticut. The family of Sister Disciple Pamela, Pamela McWhorter, uh, the mother of Sister India and Genesis McWhorter. Her services were this past Monday in Statesville, North Carolina. And I want to give a, a wonderful shout out to our mass choir uh, for uh, raising funds to plant 10 trees in her honor. Um, the uh, services for Randy Fair. Uh, is Monday at 2 o'clock at, uh, no, the graveside service for Monday at 2 o'clock and the graveside service is at Oakland Park Cemetery on Tuesday. 
the family of Sister Jacqueline Ford. Um, she's the sister of Reverend Dr. Monica Redman, and we continue to lift up Monica as far as she grieves the loss of her father and her uncle and her sister. And the family of Sister Tommy Taylor, the grandmother of disciple Melissa Howard, and great-grandmother to Deontay Howard, we lift that family up in prayer. We got a lot of people that are on our sick and shut-in list. We want to lift up Sister Cheryl Grice. We want to lift up Reverend Lenny Williams, the father of Lisa Duncan, who had major surgery this past Tuesday. We want to lift up uh, that particular family uh, in our prayers. We also want to lift up Sister Terry, uh, who had surgery on Friday. We continue to lift up Dr. Monica Redman. And we want to continue to lift up uh, our pastor emeritus, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, uh, Lady Thomasina. We continue to flank them in our prayers. We also want to lift up Brother Kenneth Oglesby um, as far as our prayers are concerned. Uh, I'm going to ask at this time that uh, Reverend Bernie will come and he will take us to the throne of grace uh, as far as prayer is concerned. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, as we hear the names of all those that are experiencing difficult situations, whether it be grief, whether it be illness, Father, as we look at all of it, it can seem overwhelming to us. But to you, God, it is nothing. So, Father, we pray right now, Lord God, that you would just move in every situation that was called out this morning, God. Father, we acknowledge, God, that we are weak, God, we are troubled, God, and sometimes, God, we get weary. But, God, when we look at what you've already done in our lives, God, we realize, God, that there is nothing too hard for you. So, Father, we pray, God, speak to the hearts of those that are bereaving right now. Let them know, God, that they are not by themselves. But in fact, God, you are carrying them. Speak to the hearts those that are, of those that are sick, those that are ill right now. Let them know, God, that even in the midst of their illness, God, you are working things out. You are mending, God. You are fixing that which is broken, God. And Lord, we thank you for that this morning, God. We pray, Father God, even those names that may not be called out, even those that may be watching us right now, that are experiencing difficult situations, God. God, remind us, God, of your power, God. Remind us of your work, God. Remind us, God, of where you've already brought us from, God. God, help us to see you, God, in the midst of our struggles, God. Help us to see you, God, in the midst of our pain, God. Help us to see you, God. In the midst of this pandemic, God, we know, God, that you are powerful, God. We know, God, that you can work this thing out. We know, God, that whatever we ask of you, God, it shall be done, God. So, Lord, help us to depend on that. Help us to rest on that. Help us to have the assurance to know, God, that you're moving right now, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. morning God we give you praise we give you honor we give you glory God for there is none like you God none like you God none like you God in all the earth God we thank you we give you praise and honor 
This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you believe that God is answering your prayer, can you give God praise right now? If you believe your prayer concern is being answered at this particular time. Thank you, Reverend Bernie, for that prayer. We want to continue to lift up our minister of music, Scott Gibson. We continue to lift him up in our prayers as well, as well as Deacon Alonzo Pettis. We continue to lift him up in our prayers as well. Um, as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I mean, not in prayer, as we prepare to go to the Lord as far as our giving is concerned, we want you to understand that, that your giving, your generosity, your kindness makes a difference in the lives of people outside of this church. And it also empowers us to handle what we need to do inside of the church as well. Your giving, your generosity, your kindness. Uh, make sure that the lights remain on. Make sure that we have gas. Make sure that we're able to do some of the repairs that need to be done around the church. Uh, then it also makes sure that uh, people's lives are changed and transformed uh, as we uh, give to them through the various means and modalities of ministry here at the St. Paul Church. And so as you prepare to give, I want you to know that you can do it in one of three ways. First of all, you can uh, either mail your check or money order to the church, 1401 Allen Street, 28205. Or if you want to drop off your check, money order, or cash here at the church, call the church office at 704-334-5309. Make sure that someone is here to receive your offering. Amen. And then you can work out a time where you can drop it off. We will place that offering in our safe, and it will be counted on the following Sunday. You can also go through our church website and follow the giving prompts there and give. If you have an account set up there, or you can give through the app called Givelify. Download that app to your smart device connected to your favorite credit card. And then in three clicks, you can give as far as Givelify is concerned. So however you're giving this morning, I'm going to, I'm getting ready to give this morning to support our Thanksgiving drive, $100, as well as our Toys for Tot. I'm giving $100 uh, in support of that as well, uh, along with my tithes and offerings. So do me a favor, if you would, take your offering, lift it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right. Amen. Not what's left. And let's go to the Lord at this time. God, we come and we thank you for how you continue to show yourself mighty and strong. On yesterday, God, you continue to prove that even though we're not meeting like we normally would, that the generosity of this great congregation makes a difference in the lives of people who are not even part of our congregation. So Lord, right now, move upon the hearts and minds of those who are part of this congregation, who want to support this congregation, who give to this congregation so your work can be done. Bless these offerings. Bless those who practice the discipline of giving tithes and offerings. Bless those who give something, oh God. And we pray right now that you will continue to move upon the hearts and minds of those who feel like they don't have to give anything. Lord, we want to become a 100% tithing church. That is a vision. That is a goal for this place that anyone that's associated with us will become a tither and an exponential giver. So move as only you can. I heard Andy Stanley say that we are most like you when we give because giving allows for our hands to be open, not only to be a blessing, but also to receive. Put us in that mind frame right now. 
In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. So if you would go ahead and give right now, our music ministry is come, getting ready to come bless us with song.
us the great lift that we that we need. One thing that I have to give uh, our minister of music credit for is that the persons that we have on staff as far as our total ministry is concerned uh, they are gifted. They can read music as well as play by ear. And uh, that's the perfectionist and David Scott Gibson. Uh, he want to make sure that whoever we have on staff they're able to step in uh, and give great lifts. So thank you, Dr. Fuller. Uh, she is, of course, a musician for our children and youth and uh, has done a masterful job uh, in handling the music today. I want to, uh, for the time that is mine, to call your attention to Romans chapter 9, verse 30 through 33. This will wrap up uh, the series of sermons that we're that we've been preaching on as far as the sovereignty of God is concerned. Uh, Romans chapter 9, starting at verse 30. And 
as we give lift as far as this is concerned, these words are printed in the New King James Version of the Word of God. What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained to righteousness even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Let me read it in the message translation for just a little bit more clarity. How can we sum this up? All those people who did not seem interested in what God was doing actually embraced what God was doing as God straightened out their lives. And Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, missed it. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they did not notice God right in front of them like a huge rock in the middle of a road. And so they stumbled into him and went sprawling. Isaiah, again, gives us the metaphor for pulling this together. Careful, I put a huge stone on the road to Mount Zion, a stone you can't get around, but the stone is me. If you're looking for me, you will find me on the way, not in the way. Amen. I want to preach for the time that is mine this morning, getting it right. Getting it right. The Apostle Paul is confronted with a situation that contradicts what he has been taught from a rabbinical standpoint and what it means to believe in God and have a relationship with God. Paul had been taught, and Paul readily accepted, that he was part of the chosen people who had ancestry, promises, covenant, and the favor of God throughout its history, heritage, and heredity. In fact, this type of thinking permeated Paul's resume. For in the writings of Philippians, Paul says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Um, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I have intelligence. I have scholarship. I was a student of Gamaliel, who was the leading rabbinical scholar of that day. Paul would tell you that he had the right pedigree, that he had the proper degrees, that he had the highly profile connections, he had a great degree of intelligence, a high level of qualifications. He had all the right connections that he needed. But he also wants you to understand that when it came to a relationship with God, how far he was from the mark. It was his perception that since he was of Jewish descent, then he had first and really only priority when it came to a relationship with God. 
Paul had believed that his Jewish heritage gave him the proper standing before the righteous and sovereign God. Like the nation Israel, he believed that if he kept the Ten Commandments, he believed that if he did not eat shrimp and lobster and catfish, he believed that if he did not eat any pork, he believed that if he did not have any chitlins, he believed that if he observed Pentecost and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he believed that if he did not hang out with unclean folks like the Gentiles, then certainly God would give him the status of being superior from a spiritual perspective. It is this assumption with this type of thinking that so many of us can be caught up in today. That if we rely upon our willpower, if we depend upon positive thinking, if we get our act together with defective and unstable tools at our disposal, like our sinful disposition, then we can get right with God and that God will be pleased with our efforts. But I've come to serve notice that in 2020, we're so messed up. Uh, we think that our works make us right before our God. But the gap is too wide. The debt is too much. The mountain is too high. The valley is too low. The burdens are too heavy. For any human to bridge the distance between earth and heaven. Despite our human deficiencies and thankful to God's sovereignty, God steps in and takes care of the gap that exists between humanity and God. Lest I remind you, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God this being the case, then there is none among us who could stand before a righteous God and declare his or her innocence. This is what I appreciate about the sovereignty of God. God has the sole and absolute right to wipe out all of us off the face of the map. However, God deals with us in a merciful manner because none of us, from the choir stand through the pulpit to the only person sitting in the congregation, Reverend Bernie, have the right to stand and measure up to the standard of a holy, righteous God. Doesn't matter how good we are, we ain't good enough. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter how kind we are, we ain't kind enough. Uh, the, the problem with Israel is that they thought that because they were the chosen people, they were under the perception that the proper standing with God was dependent upon how well they kept the law. And therefore, they had the tendency to throw all their energies, all their efforts, all their personhood into a religion about God rather than a relationship with God. They were more concerned about style rather than substance. They, they were more concerned, like some of us, about a shout rather than the spirit. They, they were more concerned about inheritance rather than image. They were more concerned about personal praise rather than proper position. 
They, they were more concerned about human applause rather than divine approval. Like the days of Paul, we have people who believe they can work their way into the kingdom of God and earn their salvation by saying the right things and doing the right things or engaging in some super spiritual magical formula to get them right with God. However, what messes so many of us up is that we fail to understand that to be in authentic relationship with God cannot be accomplished by our merit it is given because of God's mercy. Can I press my claim a little bit further? This is how one of the early church fathers named Anselm in his writings, why God became human, explains what the purpose of Jesus Christ is all about. Anselm contends, if humans who are separated from God are to have a relationship with God once again, then the honor of God has to be satisfied. In order for the honor of God to be satisfied, there is something that has to take place because it is inconsistent for a holy God who is righteous, who is perfect, and who is sovereign to tolerate sin. God wants to have relationship with people who really can't honor him the way he deserves to be honored because of our sin and shortcomings. And because you and I are really incapable in and of ourselves to honor God the way that God deserves to be honored, God became human. So in God becoming human in the person and personality of Jesus Christ, the gap between human unrighteousness and God's righteousness is bridged. With his death on the cross, Jesus Christ took upon himself the penalty for our sin to restore us back to fellowship and relationship with God. And so now we have restoration with God we have relationship with the Father. We have redemption through the Son. We have reconciliation through the Spirit. And rededication to the Savior that is made possible and plausible. And that happened based on what Jesus did on a hill called Calvary. That's why we sing the song at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. That old rugged bloody cross is the symbol of Jesus Christ's love for you and me. It is a sign of Jesus' willingness to give his body to endure suffering, death, and pain in order to affirm the fact that life has victory over death, 
that the grave has been overcome by his resurrection, that good has triumphed over evil, that righteousness has defeated unrighteousness, that divine justice has conquered human injustice, and light has subdued the darkness. Because of Jesus' resurrection, the cross did not win. Death does not have the last word. Hallelujah, we can give shout and praise because Jesus is the ultimate victor. But he did it through the cross. Now, others have died on a cross before Jesus. Two died on a cross with Jesus. Others died on a cross after Jesus. But what makes Jesus' death on a cross different is his resurrection, which was not victory over mortality, but it was victory over sin and evil itself. This is what got the Jews off track when it came to the person of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter to the Roman church. And the church at Rome had both Jews and Gentiles that attended it. The problem with the Jews in the Roman church was they thought it was no way possible for the Gentiles to have a relationship with God. But Paul's preaching to those Gentiles, something strange was happening while he was preaching and they were hearing. Here it is. They were listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached and somehow those mangy Gentiles were getting saved. So somehow those uncircumcised Gentiles were coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Jews were hearing the same thing and they stayed stuck in their apathy. The Gentiles weren't even thinking about God, didn't know much about Jesus, didn't really understand the movement of the Holy Ghost, but yet they were being saved. They had a real, authentic, life-transforming, redemptive uh, encounter with Jesus Christ, even though they weren't looking for it. On the other hand, the Jews who knew all about Yahweh and Yahweh's movement in their salvific history, they were missing the move of God. And they missed it because they didn't want to have anything to do with this man from Nazareth by the name of Jesus Christ. They didn't want to have anything to do with that Afro-Asiatic man from Galilee. In their eyes, Jesus was a rabble-rouser. Jesus was a troublemaker. Jesus was a hung, convicted criminal. In their eyes, Jesus was blasphemous and ignorant and crazy. In their eyes, Jesus did not measure up because he did not do what they thought he should have done. They were looking for somebody who was going to come and get rid of Roman oppression. They were looking for someone who was going to come and take Herod's foot off their neck. They were looking for somebody who was going to come and remove all the vestiges of oppression politically and economically and religiously and spiritually. And, and they were looking for all of that. But what they were looking for Jesus did not do it because they were looking for stuff 
of this world, but Jesus wanted them to understand that what I have come to do is establish the kingdom of God that's going to have impact upon the natural order of things. And so while they were calling him all kinds of names, uh, there were a few folks around there that was calling him the Messiah, that was calling him Lord, and that was calling him Savior. And I don't know about anybody else. While they were calling him all those names, uh, I, as Robert Charles Scott in 2020, I called him Savior. They called him crazy. I called him Christ. They, they called him ignorant. I called him the infinite. They called him a troublemaker. I called him a troubleshooter. They called him a rabble rouser. I called him the resurrection. They called him silly, but I called him sovereign. Paul was trying to get them to understand that if you really want a relationship with the God of the universe, here it is, it will not be based upon your personal achievement, but your personal confession in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul was trying to help his Jewish brothers and sisters to get right with God. How was that to be accomplished and achieved? And, and how can we get right with God even today. First of all, if you follow the flow of the text, I want you to understand that righteousness is achieved through faith despite our flaws. Let me say it again. Righteousness is achieved through faith despite our flaws. Here it is. The problem with so many of us is that we think that we have the character to get right with God. But the problem is our character, even the best of us, is corrupt and contaminated because of sin. That's why we cannot claim that we have been good when we stand before God. Isaiah reminds us that all of our righteousness are like filthy rags in the sight of the sovereign God. Therefore, watch this, it is very disturbing when you hear that someone has died, and even though they were a nice person, even though they were a good person, they did not have Jesus Christ in their lives after being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand, if you don't get anything else, please, ma'am, please, sir, get this. We do not get eternal life based on our goodness. It's quiet in here too. You, you, you don't get eternal life based on how good you are. You get eternal life based upon your relationship with God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. When we see the word righteousness in this text, we think that it refers to morality and to character. And that's the problem because we don't understand what the word righteousness in this text means. Because watch this. How you going to get right without a right God being present in your life? Paul describes the Gentiles as a class of people who did not even have God on their minds. And yet many Gentiles in Paul's day were trying to be morally right and acceptable. But that is not the righteousness 
Paul is talking about. What Paul is speaking about is, watch this, forensic righteousness, which is right standing before God. I know y'all never heard of forensic righteousness. This, 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 this term comes when you do the deep dive into the text. Forensic righteousness. Forensic righteousness basically means that you and I come before God with all our frailties and our faults, our sins and our shortcomings, and because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified. In other words, we are dipped into the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when we're dipped into the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we come up out of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, God looks at us and declares us to be right even though we got all this stuff, all this guilt, all this sin, all this bad, all this evil on us. Why? Because when God looks at us, he does not see us. He sees the righteousness of Jesus on us. And therefore, we are justified before God, not on anything we have done, but on what Jesus Christ has done. That's what it means to be justified by faith. It's not my character that makes me right before God. It's my faith in God through Jesus Christ. I, I, I know, I know, I, I know this, this is doctrinal. I, I know this deals with uh, faith claims and suppositions, but you got to know why you believe what you believe, because if you don't know what you believe, it ain't going to change your behavior. But if you know what you believe, it will change your behavior. And when your behavior is changed, your outcomes and actions will change. But the reason why some of us can't even have a changed behavior is because we don't know what we believe. And so the problem is we're trying to get right with God on our own. I want y'all to understand that it's my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that makes me right before God. And my faith in Jesus repositions me in God, which allows for me to accept the mysteries of God. In other words, it's a lot of stuff about God I ain't going to never understand. Because if I understood everything there is about God, he ain't big enough to be my God. Preach up in here, Robert Chaska. But since I am saved, my finite mind can only encapsulate so much there is about God. And so watch this. There are some things about God I may not ever understand, but I'm willing to trust God and believe in God even when I don't understand God. And that's the problem for us in this postmodern, highly technological, iPhone 12, Samsung Note, Facebook, Twittering, Snapchatting, Gramming age where we want to know everything and we think that we can find out anything we want to that all we got to do is go online and google it but i want you to know help me holy ghost that there are some things about god we can't google there are some moves about the spirit we won't find on safari and there's some things about christ we will not get on chrome 
There are some things about God I don't understand, but I'm willing to trust God because uh, I'm not in any position to make it in this world to the next world. As a matter of fact, because of my faith, I have a new position. I'm just like the Gentiles back in Paul's day. I wasn't counted. You wasn't counted among the children of God. But hallelujah, because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We have a new position. That's what the songwriter meant when those words were penned. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Because of your faith, your position has changed. Because of your faith, you have a new perspective before our God. Because of our faith, you stand before God, not in your righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of that, you're able to say, uh, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You're able to say, I'm the head and not the tail. You're able to say, I was out, but I'm now in. You're able to say, I was in the dark, but I now see the light. You were able to say, I was on my way to hell, but God has rescued me. You were able to say, I was a misfit, but God done straightened me out. You were able to say, I was an outcast, but he done made me part of the in crowd. That's because you have placed your faith, not in your money, not in your education, not in your boo, not in your bay, not in what college you went to, not well, a church you attend, but you have placed your faith in the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Jesus Christ that makes you claim the righteousness of Jesus Christ before the sovereign and eternal God and you're able to say because he lives I am able to face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and my life right now is worth the living because he lives it ain't because of you it's because of Jesus Christ can I press my claim even further Uh, because you got to understand uh, uh, that not only uh, uh, righteousness is achieved through faith, uh, but also you got to understand that your works can never make you right with God. Uh-huh. Yep, your works can never make you right with God. Uh, in other words, you ain't saved Based on your works. That's the problem with the Jews back then. They thought that they were saved and they had God's favor because of their works. You want to know what their works look like? Can can I tell you what their works look like? Their, Their works, particularly for the men, looked like they had to be circumcised. Their works meant that they had to keep the law and they were over 600 laws for the Jews to try to keep. And, and, and this is what we as Christians don't understand that I got to help you understand. Over 600 laws, moral laws, the Ten Commandments, ceremonial laws, and religious laws. And if they broke any one of the laws, they broke all of the law, which meant they never kept the law right. The only person, living or dead, that kept all of the law right was Jesus Christ. Preach Robert Charles Scott. So they had the law. 
They knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. They were familiar with the Mishnah. They knew the Talmud. They had the inside track. But Paul was telling them, listen, y'all can have all of that and still miss it. Paul was telling them, you cannot depend upon your faulty humanity to do some work in order to please the perfect sovereign God. The problem is if they were able to do that, they would have accomplished it a long time ago. And Jesus would not have had to come into the world to die for all of our sins. Let, let me see if I can, can make it plain for you because too oftentimes we, we fail to really understand what, what this law thing is all about. There, there's a preacher by the name of Donald Gray Barnhouse who tells this story. And the story goes something like this. The last century, in the worst slum district of London, England, there was a social worker whose name was Henry Morehouse. Henry Morehouse, one evening, was walking along the streets in the slums of London, and he saw this little girl coming out of a basement store carrying a pitcher of milk. She was taking it home to her family, and she was a few yards from Mr. Morehouse, and she tripped over the sidewalk, slipped and fell. Her hands uh, uh, let go of that picture. It dropped to the ground on the sidewalk, and it broke. Milk went all over the place, ran down into the gutter. The little girl began to cry like her heart was breaking in literal pieces. Uh, Mr. Morehouse quickly stepped up to see if she was hurt, and he helped her to her feet saying, don't cry, little girl. But she kept crying, repeating tears. My mommy is going to get me. My mommy is going to whip me. Mr. Morehouse said, no, little girl, your mother will not whip you. I'll see to that. Look, the picture isn't broken into many pieces. And so he stooped down beside her, and he began to pick up the pieces, and he began to work as if he was putting that glass picture back together again. And the little girl stopped crying. Why? Because she had hope. She came from a family in which pictures had been mended before. So maybe this stranger could repair the damage to this picture. She watched Mr. Morehouse fit several pieces of the picture together and working too roughly, he knocked it apart again. Once more, she began to cry, and Mr. Morehouse had to repeat, Don't cry, little girl. I promise that your mother will not whip you. Again, they began the task of restoration, and this time, getting it all together except for the handle on that picture. Mr. Morehouse gave it to the little girl, and she tried to attach it. But naturally, all she did was knock it down again. This time, there was no stopping her tears and her wailing, and, and she wouldn't even look at the broken pieces lying on the sidewalk. Finally, Henry Morehouse picked up the little girl in his arms, carried her down to the street, to the shop that sold her the milk in the pitcher, and he brought her a new pitcher filled with milk. Then, still carrying her, he went back to where the girl had brought the milk and had that pitcher filled to capacity. And then he asked her, where did she live? When he was told, he carried her to her house, sat her down on her steps, placed the full pitcher of milk in her hands. 
Then he opened a door for her. And as he stepped in, he asked her one more question. Now, do you think your mama is going to whip you? He was rewarded for his trouble by the biggest and brightest smile he has seen in a long time. She said, oh, no, sir. Because this is a lot better picture than we had before. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I need to let you all know. That's the wonderful illustration of when you're trying to earn your salvation and what God will do. Because our picture was broken in the Garden of Eden by the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And we kept trying to fit the picture back together again. We kept trying to mend our broken picture. But God said, I'm tired of them trying to fix it themselves. I'm going to send them a new picture in the form of Jesus Christ who is able to hold everything I need for them to hold. And they'll be able to drink from that picture and never be thirsty anymore. I need to let somebody know that's your problem right now. You're trying to fix stuff that only God can replace. Oh, preach up in here, Robert Charles Scott. You, you're trying to fix something that God said, I don't want you to fix it. Let me replace it. The Jews thought that they were entitled to blessings and promises and covenants and favor of God. And, and some of y'all think y'all entitled to that. But, but I need you to understand that I got to come before God and claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because you're trying to fix stuff in your life before you ever get the fixer of your life. Jesus Christ is better than an Olivia Pope from Scandal. Jesus Christ is the one who can fix you, turn you upside down, inside out, right side up. The problem is so many folks think, well, before I give myself to the Lord, I got to stop drinking. I got to give up some stuff before I turn my life over to the Lord. I got to stop going to the club before God will accept me. We want to earn our salvation so we can brag about all that we have done but I come to let you know uh, that you have to let Jesus Christ in your life uh, because I've discovered we can't sing enough we can't read the Bible enough. We can't pray enough. We can't preach enough. We can't teach enough. We can't praise enough. We can't pay tithes and offerings enough to earn salvation. God gives it to us. Watch this. Here's the scandal for free. Ooh, the problem is you don't have the capacity to get yourself clean enough and good enough for God to accept you. That's why we are saved by grace. That's why salvation by works is impossible. Because if you could have done it, you would have done it a long time ago. However, God does not want any of us to go around bragging about what we did in order to get what God has for us. That's why Paul said... In Ephesians, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man, woman, boy, or girl should boast. Because if that was the case, uh, then there will be some of us who will be more saved than others of us. Uh, there were some of us who would be. 25% saved, some 35% saved, some 50% saved, some 75% saved, some 80% saved, some 95% saved, some 99% saved. But can I let you all know what salvation is really about? That when it comes to salvation, it's pass fail. Ooh, you miss your shout. When it comes to salvation, it's either 100 or zero. Uh, in other words, uh, you don't get just a little saved. 
That's like a woman saying she's a little pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you ain't. Ain't no such thing as a little pregnancy, just like ain't no such thing as a little saved. Either you're saved or you ain't. But can I bless uh, about seven of y'all? I'll make eight because when I get saved, I ain't got no problem doing the work. Because I don't work to get saved. I work because I am saved. And when I work because I am saved, I have joy doing the work. But I ain't doing what I'm doing to try to earn brownie points with God. I'm doing it because I'm appreciative of what God has done for me. God did for me what I could not do for myself. God saved me from what I could not save myself from. And there's nothing wrong with you and I acknowledging, knowing, confessing, hollering that we are saved. You missed your shout. Yep, I'm saved. I said I'm saved. And I just want to call some of y'all scare me. Y'all don't even know if you're saved or not. But I know I'm saved. I mess up, but I'm still saved. It's like the songwriter said, I found the friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. And I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. Uh, saved by his power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Life is now sweet. And my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. Can I do a church check right now? I know y'all are watching me on YouTube and Facebook and virtual congregation and listen to me on telephone. And there's a few of y'all here in the sanctuary. But do you know you're saved? I'm saved. I may mess up every now and then, but I'm still saved. I may not think uh, the way I should think, but I'm still saved. I may say some stuff. I ain't got no business but I'm still saying why because you got to learn how to be patient with me cause God ain't through with me yet and I gotta be patient with you cause God ain't through with you yet but when you know you're saved don't be ashamed to let somebody know because God is still in the process of making you what he wants you to be let me let me oh my time is almost up let me let me let me let me give this um uh, uh, this, this, this serves as, as a segue to, to the last, last point I want to drop, and, and it's this. You can't get right with God unless you hook up with the right person. All right. Um, um, uh, no, uh, that's in verse 33. You can't get right with God unless you hook up with the right person. Um, um, <sighs> that was a problem for the Jews then. This is a problem for some of us today. The Jews did not realize that the Old Testament was really a prophetic rendering that pointed to Jesus. And they missed it. They did not know how to look back and interpret what the writers of the Old Testament were writing because they missed it in Jesus. And this is because Jesus didn't do what they were expecting him to do. In doing so, they missed the way to salvation. Now, unfortunately, Jesus 
was a stumbling block to them and to all who let their pride keep them from realizing that they cannot save themselves. Um, there are some folks who say in today's culture that, well, you know, Jesus can't be the only way to God. And, 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 and that's your argument. But I want you to know that for me, I take the words of Jesus seriously and literally. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father. No woman, no boy or girl can come to the Father except by me. See, the problem is we're like people who think you can get God's approval by keeping his laws. You think that if you attend a virtual church on Sunday, that if you give your tithes and offerings, that if you're really, really nice, uh, that if you bring goodies for the toy drive and bring goods for our Thanksgiving giveaway, that makes you right with God. You think that playing by the rules make you right with God. But, but I want you to know that Paul's words mess us up because Paul explained that God's plan is not for those who are trying to earn his favor by being good. It is for those of us who realize you'll never be good enough. So you got to learn how to trust and depend on Jesus. In other words, you got to learn how to put your faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done, you will be saved. And so when you trust Jesus, you don't ever have to be worried about being put to shame when the rubber hits the road. I'm not too proud to beg today. And I'm not too proud to accept what God has offered unto me. Because I discover, Reverend Bernie, that it is not in the things of this world. It's not uh, in the accoutrements of the culture. It, it is not uh, in uh, our education. It's not uh, in uh, the job we work. It's not in uh, our family connections. But I believe... I got a few folks that are watching me online that know is none other than Jesus Christ. For the songwriter said, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, and all of the ground is sinking sand. To the sinner, he is a stumbling block. But to those of us who confess him as Lord and Savior, he is the rock of ages. That's why Peter said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't know who's watching me out there, but I need to raise this interrogative. Is Jesus your stumbling block uh, or is Jesus your rock of ages? Uh, he's a stumbling block to the unbelieving Jew, uh, but to the trusting Christian, uh, he's the rock of ages. Uh, he's the stumbling block uh, to Pontius Pilate, uh, 
But to the women who wanted to bury him, he's the rock of ages. To betraying Judas, he's a stumbling block. But to the converted Simon Peter, he's the rock of ages. To the Sanhedrin council, he's a stumbling block. But to the 120 in the upper room, he's the rock of ages. To persecuting Saul, he's a stumbling block. But to the preaching Paul, he's the rock of ages. To the slave masters, he's a stumbling block. But to Harriet Tubman, he's the rock of ages. To Hitler and Mussolini, he's a stumbling block. But to the brave soldiers who died fighting World War II, he's the rock of ages. To Bull Connor, he's the stumbling block. To Martin Luther King, he's the rock of ages. To greedy stockbrokers who raid pension plans, he's the stumbling block. But to the poor who can't defend themselves, he's the rock of ages. To sexist religious leaders, he's the stumbling block. But to sisters who preach and pastor, he's the rock of ages. To racist politicians, he's the stumbling block. But to president-elect Joe Biden and president and vice president-elect Kamala Harris, he is the rock of ages. To white evangelicals who cover uh, Donald Trump, uh, he's a stumbling block. Uh, but to those who speak out uh, against Trump's narcissistic, egomaniacal, uh, sexist ways, uh, he is the rock of ages. And I don't know who I'm talking to, uh, but I thank God that this morning uh, I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, and because I place my faith in Jesus, uh, I know I won't be put to shame. Am I talking to anybody that's watching me live stream that ain't afraid to testify that Jesus Christ is your rock of ages and since he's your rock you won't be put to shame am I talking to anybody in the church right now that ain't afraid to testify he is your rock of ages and I won't be put to shame for I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ uh, because he has a gospel uh, that is the power to my salvation. Uh, I'm not ashamed uh, of Jesus Christ uh, because living he loved me, dying he saved me, uh, rising he justified me, freed me forever, uh, and one of these days uh, he's coming back uh, for that church uh, without a spot or a wrinkle. Uh, to claim him as my Lord and Savior because he's been too good. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you're not ashamed in your living room, at your kitchen table, in your den, in your bedroom, in your car, on your telephone, here at St. Paul, if you're not too ashamed, lift up your hand.
Jesus Christ, let his righteousness become your righteousness. I want to take this opportunity to help you understand that um, it ain't based upon anything you've done. It's based on what Jesus Christ has already done. And I want to offer to you this opportunity to have a relationship God of this universe through Jesus Christ. It ain't based upon your work. I don't know who's listening to me right now. Think that you got to get your act together. Got to cross every T and dot every I before you come to Jesus. No, you ain't got to do that. Just bring all your issues, all your stuff. Say, God, here am I. I'm a sinner. I need your, your grace. And be sincere about it. And I'm a living witness. He'll save you. He'll save you. He'll save you. I want to lead you in a short prayer. Prayer of new life, prayer of brand new start. And if you believe this prayer in your heart and your mind, and your, if you believe this prayer in your spirit, he'll save you. It's really that easy. And then 
you got to get connected to a place that a disciple you. And I would love to offer St. Paul as that place. Uh, we're receiving people online, if you particularly live in the Charlotte area. But even if you're in some other part of the country and you want to anchor down with us virtually, we can do that. Or let you know of some church in your area where you can connect because I'm concerned about the kingdom. So all heads bowed, and if you would repeat this prayer after me. God, I don't have enough in me to get right with you. I need Jesus. And I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. I'm sorry. I need you in my life. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day he's going to come back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Hear me, hear me well. If you're watching us online, if you're listening to us on the phone or whatever medium, you prayed that prayer, you don't know who Jesus Christ is, you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're saved. You're saved. And I would love for you to anchor down with us. I would love to be your pastor. And there are many women and men who would love to be your sisters and brothers in Christ here at the St. Paul Church. So I want you to hear me and hear me well. If you prayed that prayer, if you're on Facebook, just type salvation in your box one of our digital ministers that will send you a private message and let you know next steps if you're on the website click on salvation in the chat window someone will get in touch with you if you're on the phone email us at connect at spbcnc.org uh, if you're on YouTube type in uh, salvation or email us at connect at spbcnc.org Christian Experience, if you want to join us through Christian Experience, you can do the same thing. Just type connect in the chat box on Facebook or on the website. One of our digital ministers will connect with you and let you know what the next steps are. Or you can call us at 704-334-5309 and connect with us. If you want to join us even on the Watch Care, Watch Care means you're not giving up your membership of your home church. But you just want to roll with us while you're in this area. We would love to have you to roll with us. Amen. So, hey, we're about to close out this worship experience. Do me a favor. Uh, just take some selfies of yourself. Put them on your social media platform. Uh, our digital ministers will stay on the platform and talk with you for 15 minutes after this broadcast. For those that are part of our virtual congregation, we'll give you opportunity to fellowship with one another. Thank you all for joining. We're getting ready to leave. This moment, and that's from the presence, the power of provision of our God. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To only wise God, I would say you be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I love you. God loves you more. Remember, wear your mask, practice physical distancing, wash your hands, sanitize your hands.
Please be safe out there. Continue to pray for me as I pray for you. I love you all, and I'll see you all in our next virtual game. God bless you.